Welcome to episode 224 of the Energy Talks podcast. I'm energy and climate journalist Markham Hislop. Experts have told me many times that the transition to clean energy requires the right policy and regulatory frameworks. Now, getting those frameworks right will then help Canada attract the necessary private sector finance to build battery plants and solar farms and mine for critical minerals and build all of the necessary infrastructure and industry required by the transition. I came across an article in the Corporate Nights magazine last week about the importance of taxonomy to clean finance. Now, taxonomy? This is a term I'm not familiar with, at least not in the context of sustainable finance. So I've asked Anik Islam, who is the Senior Research Associate at Smart Prosperity Institute and co-author of that article, to come on Energy Talks and explain green and transition taxonomies. So welcome to Energy Talks, Anik. Uh, thank you for having me, Markham. Well, let's get to the elephant in the room. What in the heck are green and transition tax taxonomies? I, I'm very curious. If you could explain that, please. Right. And to put some context into that, I would say the climate change challenge that we have has evolved from a scientific challenge to showing how do we prove it to an economic one, where do we, how do we quantify the social cost of carbon and the externalities and the market failures associated with climate change? And now to a financing problem, which is essentially how do we allocate the risks associated with financing the net zero transition and to achieve a cleaner, greener, you know, resilient economy. And so a taxonomy is a classification system, which, uh, uh, essentially uh, categorizes which are green activities, which are transition activities, and helps to uh, enable financing to them so and and prevent uh, prevents greenwashing and enable that net zero transition. Okay. So let's back up a little bit because one of the criticisms that I've heard uh, uh, over the past year uh, since the previous well since cop twenty seven, is you know Mark Carney, former uh, Bank of Canada governor and governor of Bank of, of England, and now a uh, sort of a superstar on the uh, the global finance stage, uh, came to the last COP and said, "Hey, look, we've got I don't know how many trillions of dollars." He said, "We have sitting on the sideline, but you know the the private sector, the finance sector is ready to do this, and not much has happened. Been a lot of criticism of that, and is." And there's been a lot of criticism of greenwashing uh, of various fossil fuel activities. We think of a few more than a few in Canada. So is the development of these taxonomies, would that help us sort this all out? And would it help to free up some of that capital that Carney claims is sitting on the sidelines just waiting to invest in clean energy of some kind? Right. And absolutely it would yes so as i was mentioning it's a classification system which outlines what a green activity is and transition activity is all in the uh, in order to deliver deliver on sustainability goals and it can be many right so if you if you take the eu example there are six goals that they have uh, the work that we're doing uh, that SFAC, the Sustainable Finance Action Council is doing. They're focused on the first one, which is climate change mitigation. But yes, absolutely. Like if we define these uh, uh, activities properly, uh, 
activities in the sense the transition activities that we are talking about in terms of oil and gas and how they would be aligned with the science-based credible net zero pathway it would absolutely enable uh you know to prevent greenwashing and enable us to achieve that transition by allocating capital towards those activities okay so let's talk about oil and gas because that's uh, a topic that uh, is a frequent subject of our reporting and our journalism and carbon capture and storage just the other day the finance minister christopher freeland came out and said you know we were going to finance carbon capture and storage and we had excluded using that carbon for what's called enhanced oil recovery where you basically pump it back into a reservoir pressure up the reservoir and then you can make you know it's a very cheap way of 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 getting more oil oil out of old reservoirs and that had been excluded previously now they're going to put it back in which is clearly clearly a sop to the to the oil and gas industry it's no doubt the the product of many hours of lobbying on you know on the hill uh by the you know canadian association of petroleum producers and all the other trade associations should this is a, a case where should enhanced oil recovery using that co2 if you'd had the proper taxonomies these categories in place might it have helped the government come to a different decision i think yeah i wouldn't talk to the decision itself but yes i think uh, if the taxonomy was in place today with and and as the sustainable finance action council as laid out in their roadmap with a proper governance structure, uh, they have proposed a three-tiered governance structure with a custodian, and the custodian is essentially the technical committee that is uh, or uh, that that decides how these things uh, will evolve with the proper benchmark and classification system. And also, the third tier is like stakeholder advisory com committees from finance, from NG NGOs, environmental NGOs, etc., and other places. So. If we had that three-tiered structure uh, we're thinking about and the custodian was doing that work, uh, properly identifying the benchmarks and the classifications uh, that are you know, aligned with the credible net zero pathway, I'm, uh, I wouldn't presume to know the answer, but it would give the basis for making those sorts of decisions. And that's essentially what we're, uh, you were outlining, the uh, clear regulations, benchmarks, criteria, and a standardized framework of thinking about these things so that uh, you know our investments are aligned with the net zero transition. We face a $115 billion financing gap as has been laid out in the federal budget 2022. And it's a massive challenge. And we, we need to have these enabling pieces or that climate information architecture as uh, as uh, portrayed by the uh, international monetary fund to enable that transition okay let's talk about how this might work in canada you've mentioned a couple times sustainable finance action committee what council. is that uh the sustainable finance action council or let's just call it sfac for short as as they call it uh is the government's advisory body comprising of the 25 largest financial institutions and uh they advise the Minister of Finance and Minister of Environment and Climate Change Canada on uh, sus uh, sustainable uh, sustainable finance and how to integrate that into standard industrial practice. Um, 
they have laid out a roadmap to develop a, a green and transition taxonomy, <coughs> excuse me, um, and they have provided other recommendations on other pieces of the climate information architecture that I was mentioning on disclosures, and they're doing simultaneous work on data and net zero capital allocation. Um, the Sustainable Finance Action Council's roadmap recently in, in the fall economic statement in 2023, which was just released, they the government has uh, allocated some money and doing further work on taking that roadmap and implementing it, that taxonomy that we're talking about so that it is aligned with the net zero transition. Oh, I see. Okay. So we've got an advisory council, uh, council sorry, uh, to the to the federal government. Uh, probably, I would assume that it works through the Department of Federal Department of Finance. That's where the advice would go, and it's made up of these twenty five financial financial institutions. Um, who else belongs to the council? Surely there are, you know, advisors other than banks on that committee or on the council. Yeah, um, I. It would it would be a good question for the chair, but there are other uh, uh, like they have an uh, uh, they have coordination amongst the regulators, so the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, the Bank of Canada, and the provincial securities regulators. They also work together with other uh, research institutes like ourselves, Smart Prosperity Institute the Canadian Climate Institute, the Institute for Sustainable Finance. And uh, we have been working with SFAC on developing this taxonomy and laying out that roadmap and also taking that work further now that you know announcements have been made in the fall economic statement uh, to ensuring obviously that is credible. So it, it, it's an all the uh, whole of Canada effort, I would say. Uh, the interesting thing about SFAC is banks, pension funds, insurance companies, these three groups or subsectors of the financial sector don't normally come together. And as Kathy Bartswick, the chair of the Sustainable Finance Action Council always says, it's good to have those differing viewpoints of these three subsectors because they face, like even if they uh, work, like if even if we categorize them as the financial sector, they would do different things. And so it's important to have those viewpoints and for us as research organizations to listen to those viewpoints in order to help build that credibility in taxonomies and also disclosures and data so that, you know, ultimately we can achieve that goal of integrating sustainable finance into standard industry practice. In a moment, I want to talk to you about the roadmap that you just, you, you mentioned. You said that there is a SFAC has come up with a roadmap and it includes these taxonomies that are required. And now we, you know, you know, they made recommendations to the federal finance minister, Minister Freeland, about this. But I want to ask a, a related question. And this comes from watching other countries grapple with this same issue and related issues. You know, they're putting in regulatory frameworks, they're bringing in, they're bringing in new policies, then they bring in the regulatory framework, then they have to enact them, then they have, you know, and then they have to tweak them. And and, and I, particularly the Americans, the Americans, I, I think I've, I've said this uh, on the last podcast, uh, the Ameri clarity of vision is something the Americans have. They know why they're doing clean energy industrial policy. It has, you know, it has to do with the fact that they're way behind China uh, and even Europe for that matter. 
So they want to catch up. They understand this is the next industrial revolution and they don't want to be caught short. They understand the importance of this. Then there are geopolitical uh, implications, you know, because China controls, they realize now that China controls way too many supply chains that they're dependent upon. And COVID showed them that. And, and then there are ener energy security issues. If this is the energy of the future, they need to be not dependent on China. So there's a whole range. The Americans get that. And their, their Secretary of Commerce, Gina, Gina Raimondo, I, I keep referring to her speeches all the time because she explains it really clearly. Like around cabinet, they, they've got it. And then I come back to Canada. And here's Canada. We... You know, the uh, the federal government has been talking about climate policy since 20, so it was elected in 2015, October of 2015. This kind of stuff is pretty foundational. This is not the stuff you should be doing in 2023. This is the stuff you should have been doing in 2015 or 2019 or, you know, at some point setting the stage, the infrastructure, the, the you know, the, the, the basic foundation for clean and sustainable finance shouldn't be shouldn't wait until you've already announced investment tax credits for things like carbon capture utilization and storage it's you we put the cart before the horse again and then we wonder why we're slow getting things done now you know this is a little i, I confess i went on a little bit of a rant there but over and over and over again i'm seeing canada get it wrong. We have a very confused and and disorganized way of approaching our policy and our, our you know our creation of our regulatory frameworks to support the, the energy transition. And this seems to be another example of that. So am, am I have I got it right, Anika, or give me your take on it. Right. You you I, I would say that, you know, we have been falling behind other countries such as the UK, obviously the Americans, our neighbors and other, uh, say, Australia. So Australia, uh, if, if, if I can give an example, Australia took the framework that was provided by SFAC and they are now running with it. They have uh, announcements pre previous to the fall economic statement, I think a couple of months they have announced their own taxonomy and they're essentially utilizing the framework that was set up by SPAC and they're doing the work that needs to be done. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. No, I have to interrupt. I, Anik, I rarely interrupt guests because I, this is a conversation and I really believe that, you know, it, it's important to let guests finish their thought. So when I interrupt, this is a rare event, but I got to say, are you telling me that we have a uh, the Sustainable Finance Action Committee in Canada and Australia took our work and began implementing it before we did? I, I, seriously, is that what, what's going on here? Uh, the SFAC communicates with other or countries, obviously, to learn lessons. And so did the Australians, right? And so within those communications, I would say the Australians have, uh, you know, taken the some of the ideas from the roadmap that Canada has but particularly on the transition side, obviously they are in economic makeup, a similar country to ours with natural resources, et cetera. So, but they are going ahead with the work that they're doing. We are also going ahead. We are, I would say moving at similar paces, but they have started the work first, I would say. They were <laughs> all, they, they, they were all like, uh, from the starting point, they were a bit ahead than us. But I would say again, to your point with the Americans, I think uh, Jigar Shah from 
the Department of Energy's loan program office says it best. We are, you know, private sector led, but government enabled. And that's what we need to attract the billions of dollars to uh, invest in the net zero transition, essentially. Um, uh, in, in terms of think uh, in, in thinking about that, we we need to get ahead. We have the right right progress. We're making that uh, progress right now, but we need to be a bit faster in implementing that uh, climate information architecture I was talking about with taxonomies, data, and disclosure, and start doing the work and you know attract the billions of dollars that we need. I am a big fan of Jiggershaw, and one of the things you see is the like the Americans have a plan and they have a ton of money between between the the Infrastructure Act, the CHIPS Act and the uh, U.S. Infl Inflation Reduction Act. There's probably well over a trillion dollars over 10 years. I mean, there's a lot. There's a sea of of of, of financing and, and subsidies available to to American companies. But it's more than that. They don't just sit. Jigger Shaw is out actively promoting things like virtual power plants, you know, and the Department of Energy that he works with. They come out and they say, OK, here's what virtual power plants can look like. Here's what their benefits are. Here's how they can support aging power grids and modernization of those grids. Here's how they can we can we can use it to to uh, promote uh, community solar, for for example, all sorts of things. I mean, the, the play, Jigger Shaw plays a really proactive role. And now I look around the Canadian uh, landscape. Where's our jigger shot? We don't have one. We don't have we don't have the kind of intellectual horsepower. Now that's not fair because there are people that you work with, for example, at you know in those various institutes like Bentley Allen, who are first rate minds and are doing first rate work, but they're not in a position of leadership like Jigger Shaw is. And I think our Canada's uh, transition efforts would be so much better if we had those kind of leaders when we, we you know, we let them lead and, and we don't do that. We don't do it at the federal level. We don't do it at the provincial level. It's a very fractured, disorganized, you know, Canada has a reputation for muddling through. This is what muddling through looks like. It ain't great, folks. It ain't. Anyway, so let's talk about exactly what the Canadian roadmap looks like could you explain that to us please right as i was mentioning in the roadmap the sustainable finance action council has laid out 10 or 11 recommendations in implementing that green and transition taxonomy and i emphasize the transition bit because we need uh, we are a natural resource-based country we need to decarbonize those uh, the natural resource sector and other like heavy emitting sectors that are needed for the net zero transition and that transition component within the green and transition taxonomy would help us achieve that. Um, the Sustainable Finance Action Council with the Climate Institute uh, and the Institute for Sustainable Finance and together with us, obvi uh, obviously, uh, uh, we uh, the, within those 10, 10 recommendations, they have proposed a governance structure which would be comprised of obviously a chair, but the financial institutions, the regulators, et cetera. And that, uh, you know, that council would help, uh, you know, make those decisions in terms of the taxonomy that is going on, uh, that will be eventually implemented. Um, there is a custodian, which is, think of it as the research organization, which supports that uh, council 
in developing those uh, benchmarks and uh, frameworks for implementing uh, the taxonomy across various sectors. Obviously, the agriculture sector, uh, you know, the taxonomy and the benchmarks and criteria would look vastly different from the building sector to vastly different from the heavy industry, say steel or cement. And so we need a, that custodian to do the technical work behind the benchmarking. And, uh, and there are stakeholder forums, which would be comprised of financial institutions, the regulators, the NGOs, and those would obviously guide the thinking with the custodian and the council and eventually help make it a very inclusive, robust process in terms of developing that uh, taxonomy. Um, that's the structure that has been, you know, uh, uh, laid out in the roadmap. And, you know, I think the work now is to develop that structure, get that uh, council in, you know, develop an RFP for that custodian, thinking about what can be done, setting up the whole, you know, the governance framework, and it has to be agile, robust, etc., to make those quick decisions that uh, that can help uh, you know, enact those, uh, enact the taxonomy. And, you know, as we have laid out in the op-ed, that taxonomy, that benchmark and criteria could be useful in laying out those investment tax credits that you're talking about to help, say, the Canadian Infrastructure Bank and the Canada Growth Fund make their investments, monitor and evaluate those investments, make sure they're in line with them, help with out with green procurement. So all the policies that are currently in place, I can go on and on about the policies like the clean electricity <laughs> standards, the clean fuel standards. I'm right. sure we can use that, that custodian's work and the work of the taxonomy, the green and transition taxonomy in helping figure out those benchmarks and criteria that we need to make it a wholesome and inclusive process and amplify the impact of the policies and regulations that are currently in place in Canada. Yeah, this is something I'm I'm uh, discovering, and I'm sure there are listeners who are far more advanced uh, in their understanding of this than I am. But the technical work that has to go on in the background, you know, when governments, uh, as Jigar Shah says, you know, uh, private finance, government regulated and and led in many ways, government supported. But the amount of technical work that has to go on in the background, and and this is not something to be sneezed at. Uh, it is uh, absolutely critical work, and the, the government, uh, the the these kind of investments uh, don't go on without, without. They don't get the kind of government support that's required uh, if if the work, the technical work, isn't done first. And. You know, I mean, there are exceptions to that. I mean, you, we you know could do it in China, but even in China, you know, which which has a much more top down command and control kind of capitalism and and approach to the market, you know. But still, I mean, the the, the national government doesn't just order things to happen. You know, it sets it sets recommendations, it sets goals, and so on. And then, you know, the the provinces have to do this kind of work, and they have to work with the banking sector. All of that to free up the kind of capital that China has invested in clean energy industry over the last 20 years. So if you get it right, there's a huge payoff to the country in terms of industry and jobs and 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 investments and 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 all of that. I mean, you know, development of supply chains, I can go on and on. Okay. So we've agreed that this is really important work. It may not be sexy work, it may not be work that gets you a lot of headlines. But it's really important work. What kind of a timeline timeline are we talking about for implementation? 
Well, that obviously I'm not part of the decision-making component of that tax on me, but we need it very soon, I would say. We like need it yesterday, in other words. <laughs> like it, it would have been obviously been better, but we need it soon. And it's it's like, I, I would caveat that by saying like, it's like the foundations that you are talking about laying that technique, uh, having those technical components, those technical people, people like say Bentleys of the world, we 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 need them it, it's not easy to set up uh, and i think the americans do that i'm pretty sure bentley allen has come to your show and talked about those things like in the background what goes on in terms of developing that industrial policy in the us we have that we need to operationalize it in canada and it, i i'm like in terms of timelines it's important like you we can't let perfection be the enemy of good and so we have to lay that groundwork fast but we have to be careful in terms of thinking about, you know, who are the right people, who, what do we need, and et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, given the whole economic scenario, you know, inflation, affordability concerns, et cetera, it, 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 it is a hard thing to do. Um, but we, we need to get it done because we need to look into the future. 2050, it's coming nearby. 2030, we have 2030 targets. And we need to get uh, lay that groundwork as soon as possible in terms of implementing the taxonomy. I, I'm pretty sure there is consensus. There are forums, say the Sustainable Finance Forum that was held, uh, I think, about a month, close to a month ago. There was consensus from various organizations that we need to get these things going and move towards that transition. And essentially... The government has to play that enabling role so that the private sector can invest and achieve and help achieve that net zero transition. I want to wrap up our interview with uh, by following up on something you said, which is put the right people in place. And this comes out of conversations I've had on this podcast with Bentley. And when I look at the, the Americans, because that, that's the one, the the the, uh, the other. Uh, country that I've, I've spent a lot of time r reporting on, less on the EU, less on China and other Asian economies. But I look at what the Americans have been doing in terms of modeling, economic modeling. I look at in terms of the, the kind of research that those big national laboratories do. And the Americans can draw on this huge pool of economists and other professionals, other they might be academics, they might be working in in maybe finance, whatever. But there's a huge pool of people who have the kind of expertise on topics like industrial policy, where you can kind of plug them in and 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 take advantage of them. And in Canada, as Bentley has said, we just don't have that, you know. And I'm talking about people like you, you know, people who can do the work, sit around the table in these committees hash out these issues and and uh, make recommendations to to ver you know government whether it be the federal government provincial governments whatever those skills seem to be in far far more in short supply in Canada than they are in the, in the US is we don't have enough aniques uh <laughs> is, is that a fair observation i i think <laughs> I think the observation I would like portray is we have <laughs> myself and Bentley. Bentley is far more like far more like of a genius than I am, but we have the right people. I think we don't have the right platform. Uh, I think Bentley uh, always puts it as you know the kitchen lights are on, but nothing's going on in the kitchen, right? And so we 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 need to think about enabling that. And I think one of the examples that I have read in a recent book by Michael Lewis, it's called Premonition. 
and it talks about the COVID-19 situation. And it talks about the experts who helped develop the, you know, lockdown, social distancing, etc. They profile, uh, like Michael Lewis profiles those people who made, you know, like how did all the social distancing, masking, etc. How did the, that come about? It, it came about from the, I think, George W. Bush's administration. He thought about it. Oh, what if it, there is a global pandemic and how would, you know, that be handled? You know, and he, I think in the White House, he set up a committee working on those issues, looking at those issues. Right. And it sort of paid off because, you know, whatever the situation was, they knew what to do. And you know, the the stuff that we you were talking about, like they had the right people thinking about these issues. So we need that platform. And I think Bentley, Derek Eaton at the Transition Accelerator, and we work with them, obviously, hand in hand in thinking about that platform having a pot of money and working with the government, having those conversations, that information flow that we need to, uh, you know, help make those decisions and enable the needs of the world <laughs> to, to help, uh, like, you know, help the government, the policymakers, the regulators, et cetera, make those decisions. And I think we, 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 we have start starting points, the region, regional economic tables from the Natural Resources Canada, et cetera. We are getting there, but we need to do them faster. The U.S. has obviously, you know, uh, has been doing that. They have the right structure. Like if you think about those investment tax credits, they have been on for 20 plus years. It's nothing. It's It wasn't it wasn't that, you know, it came on with the Inflation Reduction Act. They had the mechanisms in place from way before when. And so when it came time to do the Inflation Reduction Act, everybody knew what to expect in terms of going to the IRS, going to the Department of Energy, figuring things out. They knew what the process was. We need that uh, framework and the process in place, Canada, so that we can make these decisions as we go. Again, it, it, it is a hard thing, I would say, to get right. But if we get it right, the payoffs, as you were mentioning, are huge. And uh, we, we need to have that. And in terms of sustainable finance, I think the the last thing I would say here is sustainable finance policies need to be in sync with climate policies. I think we sort of think about them in silos where we talk about think about the clean electricity regulations. We don't think simultaneously about disclosures and data, uh, you know, uh, frameworks, etc. So we need to think about them together as, you know, Jigarsha mentioned, if you want, uh, you know, government enabled private sector led, if you want that, you need sustainable finance policies to be in sync with our climate policies. And you need that framework so that the experts can come in and advise the government on that, uh, you know, very robust framework that we need that the other countries have, you know, in place, we need to have in place to, you know, help us to define and achieve the net zero transition. Well, I have to say, Anik, in, in some ways you proved my point, which is that we're all on a first name basis with a handful of experts. That, <laughs> well, there's Derek and Bentley and, you know, and and so and so. And I mean, you know, we, anyway, uh, I, I'm a frequent uh, complainer uh, about the uh, Canada's uh, lack of organization and our our lackadaisical approach to industrial policy in this country uh, around clean energy. And um, it sounds like this is an area, once again, where we're behind, where had we been ahead, uh, we would have had a competitive advantage over, you know, countries like the United States who are coming late to the to this game as well. 
be that as it may, here we are again. But I thank you very much. You've, you've provided a, plenty of insight into what is uh, we would not have known about otherwise. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks again, Mark. It's a